Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, coming to you live from separate locations. We are looking for an extension of Tuesday's rally as more lifting of lockdown and restrictions are met with signals of continued policy support from the Europeans, from the Japanese. Uh, Nasdaq's within about 5% of its all-time high. And as Becky said, oil is down about 2%. Uh, Jim Cashin, uh, Art Cashin, with his uh, morning note, says there is a bit of a risk of a stall here. What do you think? Well, look, there's just tremendous buying in the stocks that have been completely trashed. And the one I, I want to use as a metaphor, remember, Gary Kelly was on. He's the fabulous CEO of Southwest Air. And I was wondering whether uh, Think could bounce back. And he said, listen, we have to have some place to go. If there was some place to go, we can bounce back. Well, suddenly we've got different. Th- we have uh, Universal wants to open. We have Disney open. We have a lot of different people going places, trying to look forward to things. So suddenly you've got a stock that did 70 million shares uh, they offered at 28 it then went down to 23.50. Look at the thing now. I mean, it blew right through the 28.50. So I think Art may be right that the, those who are coming on, on top of the 28.50, 70 million shares, buying at 34, better have something to hang their hat on if this stock goes to 33. Because we've got so much hot money, so much stupid money in the market that I've got to tell you, I just think that people are to get their heads handed to them. Yeah, Jim. Uh, David, um, uh, Jim mentions Disney, and we're going to talk to Chapek yeah. uh, later on this morning uh, in the 11 a.m. hour about their plans uh, to present uh, the state of Florida with uh, plans to open Walt Disney World. Yeah, it's and an important moment, of course, we've said as goes Disney, so goes the country to some extent. Of course, the ability to open the parks. Remember previously, uh, Mr. Chapek, of course, the CEO who took over last fall unexpectedly uh, or actually was it earlier this year? I forget my time anymore, given how long we've been in quarantine. But talked about, you know, 20, 30 percent capacity is what they would sort of be aiming for at first. But I'll be curious to hear the update, of course, when you guys have them on, uh, Carl. Jim, back to the point you were making, which I think is an important one. I mean, yesterday, I believe, was a sixth standard deviation move from growth into value. Value. But you're, you're questioning, and perhaps rightly so, where the value is, because you can move all you want into these sort of cyclical names or these value names. But if they don't have earnings below them, I'm not quite sure how long that move lasts or when we just get back to the good old growth trade that has served so many investors so well for well more than a decade now. Well, I saw so many people in my Twitter file, actually a lot of complete morons and idiots. And I but I say that candidly as Jimmy Chill, I have to deviate. And what people are saying is, look, forget that. Well, I mean, like, you know, forget Fang, forget Facebook, because the president tweeted that maybe uh, he'll re- leg- legislate social media. Well, man, I, God love him. He's fantastic. What a guy. Is that the most stupid thing you've ever heard? And, and I, I, I look at the different stocks and I look at Alphabet. The numbers are too low. I look at Netflix. The numbers are too low. I, I look at Amazon. The numbers are too low. I look at Apple. The numbers are too low. I look at Southwest. The numbers are way too high. I look at the gaming stocks. Are you kidding me? So that there's people going into a, into a casino. They're allowed to have half the number of people. I mean, look, this is not Eric Repair doing a show in the middle of Le Bernardin. And I might actually pay a little more. That's the best restaurant in America. These are companies that, frankly, are open for business at 50 percent of what they used to do. And I love Disney, own the stock forever. But 50 percent. Well, like, how about earnings power? You know, Facebook's numbers are way too low. 
but the president might regulate. The president doesn't have the ability to regulate Facebook. Stock was up three. Really nice note. So, David, uh, David and Carl, the fang yeah. trade, I always say the same thing. It's been dead for three years, pronounced dead on this network or by the analysts. And you know what? This is Lazarus. They ought to go read the Bible. Carl, to Jim's point, of course, the banks were up sharply yesterday. It looks like they're going to have a potentially strong open yet again today, whereas Facebook, of course, as Jim just said, is down. We'll see, though, how long that can really be the case, Carl. Yeah, man, uh, all-time high for Facebook yesterday, Jim. Um, Longest win streak, I think, at eight since 2015. You had that story in the journal about uh, the company's internal teams telling management that their algorithms were socially divisive, didn't really get much traction. And then you, Jim, on Twitter this morning, uh, seem a little bit down on just the, I don't know, is it the color of the platform? Um, Given it's uh, separate from what the president said about shutting social media down, uh, it well, sounds like you're not really getting the value that you once saw. Well, I actually think the Facebook I like the Facebook because I think that uh, they, they might be uh, doing Andrew Scott, Mark Zuckerberg. Tomorrow. Um, they might be able to get this five uh, percent fee on retail sales. Uh, this is all they're, they're what they're doing for small business. At the same time, I, I and I like Facebook, but do I want I want Facebook to calm down. I mean, Facebook, you get this setup where you have a, what we used to call an island reversal where it jumps up, then it goes down. This happened to take two, by the way, last week. Take two, great quarter, up and then down. I want it to cool down. I mean, this, this announcement came out last week. It's a great announcement. But to have company, brokerage firm after brokerage firm, today's city come out, uh, uh, you, know, you can't keep building on a castle of sand. I see too many castles. I see a lot of quicksand underneath some moves. I wish we would just calm down and kind of just digest some of these things because you can't have the airline move the way it is in the, in the casinos. You can't have the cruise ships. And, yes, there's some of Fang that's too hot. But um, I do feel that people are kind of it, it's two happy days are here again, Carl. It's just it's just not going to work like that. Not with 38 million unemployed. 38 million. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And you know what? And Jim, there's, you know, I've I've said this before because I continue to hear it. There are managements that are taking advantage of this opportunity to become what they would call more efficient. Uh, And it's unclear how many people are going to then not have jobs when this is at the other side. Yes. Uh, We saw Boeing today, of course, the layoffs there. Now, that's a unique situation in some ways, but I do believe that. There is certainly a contention that can be made that employment levels will not be anywhere near what they were prior to when this pandemic began. And so, again, you start to wonder, all right, well, you got the stock market, you got the economy. Are the two completely separate? Is it going to matter that we're a consumer led economy and we're still going to have a, what, 10 percent unemployment rate at the year at year end? And that may be optimistic in some people's view. Or is that eventually going to be reflected in, in stock prices, at least in certain parts of the market? But it's very clear from the AutoZone, and I happen to love that company, from the AutoZone analysis, their, their numbers were down 20 percent. And then suddenly the stimulus checks hit and the numbers were up 20 percent. Uh, and, and that's just kind of bipolar insanity. But the fact is, when people got the money in their pockets, they did things and they were bored. Well, what happens when that money runs out? What happens when, in July when the extra $600 runs out for unemployment? Well, then I think you've got an economy that, that is searching for people searching for jobs. I mean, I know just in, in the little things that I'm involved, little businesses, we couldn't get, hire anybody. Suddenly we can hire anybody. 
I mean, you know, that's not sustainable maybe in other areas. I know New York has become this kind of poster child for, a, for an economy that doesn't really know what it's doing. But, David, you are dead right. When you see this work at home, you know what that is? That cuts out a layer of people or else they would all want everybody back. You think everyone is just good hearted and doesn't want anyone to get sick? I think a lot of companies are saying, did you see how our expenses, how down they are? I'm reading about companies, right. by the way, travel. They've saved so much by not having travel that they could make their quarter from expense side. So beware. The and, things have changed. That's a that's a great point. And, and Carl, that is the other side of it in that perhaps the market is already sniffing out the margin improvement that Jim is talking about from T&E being so much lower. Now, of course, that could also go when you look at the airlines, you wonder when will business travel really come back in a robust way? Will it ever be what it once was? But there is potentially a lot of savings and margins conceivably will be higher, Carl, than they have been. Well, you've got a situation Uh, where I think revenues are going to be down, but expenses are going to be down. But that's not why we pay up for stocks. It's just not. No, that's true. I mean, you know, you think back, guys, in in late March, we were worried about a second wave in Europe and Asia. Uh, signals that those things are happening are very slight. New York cases are down 90 percent from the high. Uh, Korea, the CDC there, now suggesting that uh, there's been no reinfection, meaning immunity looks to be somewhat reasonable to expect. I mean, the question is, how much is all that improvement worth, Jim? And when do we get to this, uh, this next phase of worrying about uh, second-order knock-on effects? Look, I think that the numbers are rather extraordinary about how uh, how better different country, uh, different countries, different cities got. And it's fantastic. And we want everyone to be healthy. Uh, we don't want any spikes. But I think when you come back to David's point that is so important, this little interlude dramatically changed the way CEOs think about expense structure. And expense structure is people. Expense structure is rent, but it's people. So I think that the behaviors were so quickly learned and are not going to be unlearned as quick. We've got work day tonight. Uh, we've got Salesforce on Thursday. Uh, we've got some of the very big, uh, let's say, trade down retailers coming. I think you're going to be surprised to see uh, how much those companies all save jobs. They, they, they cut down expenses or, cu- or cut down how much you spend. They may be the winners. I'm not a believer that we are going to jump back into an economy that's roaring. I can't. Not when 50 percent of 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 most of the things that we love to go to is not allowed. I mean, how do we go back is that, to where we were? Is it, So, Jim, last night you made some changes to your covid index. Is that sort of the, what you were trying to get get to? Yeah, we wanted to have some companies that I think can really do well. Like you want to add an Etsy because Etsy's part of this. You know, my company's not coming back and I'm a small I'm, I want to be a, some money in or my company's a small business company and it's not coming back and I can't f- afford the rent or a Chegg. You know, what is Chegg? Chegg is off is online, um, online textbooks because I await to hear that colleges are going to open. I mean, these were these great ecosystems of spending and new and jobs and places that are around college towns. Could that really be gone? That's why I keep thinking more stimulus. And I know that's come very out of style in 72 hours. But when I think about the kids who are supposed to go back to school and they may not. Well, that's an ecosystem that provided a lot of spending in the country and it's going to be obliterated. 
So I, I felt like we had to make changes in the index to reflect the fact that some things are not coming back and are more stay at home and less exactly related to the disease itself, which I think, you know, you have a couple of second tier vaccine companies, cut them out because they're not going to be the ones when you have a Merck in there doing it, a Glaxo, uh, Sanofi in it. You want to stick with the majors. And by the way, can I just say the Moderna insider selling? I want to reiterate what, what people are, ha- have said. It's horrendous and it's heinous. And I hope that the government doesn't stop. Yep. Well, we, we talked, listen, we talked about when they did that, uh, the equity offering that they also uh, did soon after those results on the eight patients or the early uh, look at the eight patients came out, Jim. We sort of questioned the timing of that as well. Back to colleges, given, as you know, I'm, I'm uh, certainly focused on that, as I know so many other parents <laughs> around the country are. I think it's very much unclear that these schools are, are, are not going to do their very best to make sure they can open with students on campus. Now, life is going to be different, and it may impact, as you say, the overall economy of those uh, surrounding areas to some extent. Uh, students are not going to be going out, for example, which would be a key thing. But... You are going to, I think, see a lot of the schools open in some fashion. Um, for $80,000, your kids are Zoom? Co- cer- for 80 Gs, you Zoom those it? Are, There are commuter-related schools that won't because remote. But, yeah, no, there's going to be questions. The schools, though, are facing, as you say, parents are not going to want to pay tuition bills as a result of it being remote. They've already lost some recession. Room and board, which can be amortized over the course of the year, even though it's not a big margin area. International students not coming who are full payers. There are so many reasons universities and colleges do need to figure out a way to open. And it is very important, Jim, as you say, for the overall economies in a lot of states. It sure is. Worth talking about. Yeah, maybe Purdue is a a canary here. Uh, Mitch Daniels op-ed in the Post yesterday talking about why it is so important to open in the fall. Guys, we'll take a quick break. A lot to get to this morning. Uh, There's news on Tesla, obviously an important launch out of SpaceX and NASA. Dow at the highest since since March 10, S&P since March 5th, uh, and up six out of eight. We're back in a moment. Some of these restaurant stocks have been major participants in this uh, market rebound here. Chipotle, record high yesterday, up more than 55% so far this quarter. Papa John's, uh, 33.5% jump in North American comps for May. And Domino's, Jim, uh, up 20.9%. I mean, if you can deliver or if you can... uh, deliver either remotely or curbside, you got something going on. I am just, these were shocking numbers. Uh, uh, Papa John having a 30, uh, 33%. They were on uh, for Squawk Box, so it's incredible. Domino's, has, Domino's when they came on uh, Mad Bunny last, kind of signaled that something crazy was going on. Uh, March uh, to May, 16%. These are unheard of numbers. Uh, and I think that what's going to happen is those who buy these stocks on these numbers are not understanding that those numbers are going to start going down as other restaurants open up. But this is the aversion. This is the on the couch playing the video game. The video game stocks have tanked. And I don't think that you can buy uh, either Domino's or Papa John on these numbers uh, because what will happen is the next month won't be as good. Uh, because there'll be other alternatives to go out and do. But you, look, some of it will be people want to stay at home. Some of it is people are going to want to cook. But I think people feel cooped up. And, Carl, if they feel cooped up, then you're at the peak for Papa John's. Hmm. So, so who benefits from, uh, would you go to, like, Cheesecake Factory and Darden instead? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Darden had a good move yesterday. 
I think people do want to go out. I think people are very tired of cooking and very tired of ordering the same stuff over and over. And you're seeing doing the dishes. Oh, my God. I did the dishes this week. It's like I I mean, we finally did a contactless (laughs) place. And I and it's like, wow, at least I didn't have to. I mean, it was just it was joyous to not have to do the stuff that I've been doing. And I'm not alone. I mean, geez, I think there's just there's 70, probably 80 million households that are saying, let me go out, please. You know, let my dominoes go. Right here, baby. Right here. It never ends. The cleaning never ends. Uh, It it never ends. ends. Did you put the dishes in the dishwasher? Another meal. What's in the dishwasher? Hey, what is that in the sink? How about that? What's that in the sink? How about that one? And then some glass. Those those kids, they don't they don't help. They don't. What did I do wrong as a parent? They They don't help. help. They, how about the coffee Ugh. lines in the coffee pot when you come down? It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I left those. No. No. It's a great reason it's why just, kids yeah, should well, go no, off. I mean, they and graduate, then the vacuuming they move and on. the mopping and the dusting. And it just and the, the dusting. Then, don't even talk to me about the bathrooms. But, uh, Jim, I, you know, uh, tractor supply, I didn't want to forget that one. Because well, that David, used to be a key to this market. And that David, looked pretty darn good. counter-urbanization, that's called. Get to know that term. Counter-urbanization. It's the same thing that Diana Olick's seeing in housing. People want to be counter-urbanized. Are you counter-urbanized? Counter-urbanization. Counter-urbanization. For now I am, yeah. For now I am. Well, that's the Um, term. All right, guys, when we... uh, we, (laughs) We're going to come back. We're going to have a mad dash from Jim. We also are going to have the new CEO of NXP Semi joining us in the uh, second half hour of our first hour. There he is, Kurt Cybers. Stay tuned. Lockdown restrictions continue to expire all around the world. you got central banks on the case, the Japanese with another trillion-dollar stimulus package, the second one in a month. Futures are positive as the Nasdaq looks to open within 5% of an all-time high. Don't go away. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Time for a mad dash. Tesla is the name, not one that's unfamiliar to uh, mad dashers everywhere. David. Today is historic. Of course, Elon Musk, as we were told by Wedbush, is laser focused. A lot of people are focused. He's laser focused on the SpaceX Crew Dragon, which is launching to the uh, first time in nine years. Man going back to the International Space Station. However, what we're really learning is storm clouds starting to clear with Fremont engines. It turns out, David, that demand is very strong for Tesla, both here, but particularly in China. And Wedbush puts it. Here's the first time I've seen this. China's worth three hundred dollars a share. Maybe not. Maybe not two ninety nine. Maybe not three hundred one. Three hundred dollars. And at the same time, we've got a we've got a terrific series of, of of calls from different companies, different brokers' houses about how it is time. It is time for people to realize that it is. Okay to buy Tesla here. Now, what's interesting, David, is this is about 500 points from where it was when nobody liked it. But now we're starting to get some positive feedback on Tesla itself, even though the man is laser focused on Florida. And I find this thing. This is what you know, this is what passes for uh, research. But uh, Deutsche Bank, uh, Tesla ramps up production in Shanghai Gigafactory and suggests that there is a large backlog of Chinese orders. So it looks like that once again, he wins. Um, and he's on Leno tonight, and he's even he's just popular, and he's got a kid whose name is not pronounceable. It's like a series of letters and numbers, like yeah, yeah. Um, you have to decode his kid's Jim, name. Jim, you know, 
There was a time when with when gasoline prices were high that you could make an argument that it was more efficient from a financial standpoint to have an electric car, at least over time. I mean, it would take a while. That's no longer the case, but demand is undiminished. So it's just what people who are trying to be better the planet or they just like the car. A lot of that, they like the car. It's technology. Uh, It it turns out that the other guys, people didn't think that their models were very interesting. It's the uh, allure of of what I regard as being um, someone who champions technology, who doesn't have to run a lot of ads uh, on TV that you get tired of. And uh, it's still a novelty. It's still, hey, there's a Tesla. Hey, there's a Tesla. So long after it started, uh, that attitude prevails. And I think it's very interesting. China's so back. Shanghai could, could be huge for them big backlog. So those are still betting against Tesla. Sorry, bad day. And you come in, try to short it, maybe knock it down a little But Wow. I mean, the analysts have just been waiting for the space launch to talk about it. I hope the space launch goes well, by the way. And if you've never been to one, you should go because they're quite exciting. There we go. I would like to. You've never been to one? Yeah, that is. I know. No, I've never been. I really would like to go. That's I got to. I yeah, I need to do that. It is. It's it's a great thing. It makes up for. Uh, I mean, I, I, the one thing I don't know, the wild card, Trump weighing a whole menu of action against China. Will that influence? You know, could that be Tesla? I don't know. I mean, that's the big menu against China. President's thinking about that's. That's got to, yeah, Carl, that's got to continue to be an issue that the market needs to reckon with in terms of increasing tensions between our country and China and what form that will take. Obviously, after two years of on again, off again trade talks that did result in a deal, but now China has been raised certainly as a focus in terms of the virus and what it's done and how it withheld information, apparently, uh, to some extent, but being blamed for that. And the protests in Hong Kong, so many different things underway and a bipartisan issue when you hardly ever see any of those anymore. Yeah. House is going to vote uh, maybe today on a bill uh, on uh, human rights abuses uh, regarding the Uyghurs. But um, we'll see. Kudlow, interesting comments yesterday, Jim, about uh, the trade deal and how the president is miffed about it. Uh, maybe thinks about it a little bit differently than he did in January. But as for Tesla, I mean, there are reports this morning that they've trimmed their prices by about 6% in North America. We just had a long discussion, the three of us, about uh, consumer household budgets and pressure and unemployment and pay cuts. Uh, why would you want to spend 75 grand on a new car like Tesla? Uh, the 1%. I mean, the 1% is not being heard here because that's, that spending is unabated for Tesla. The numbers just don't lie, uh, but maybe it's more worldwide. The Chinese are buying cars like yeah. before before this happened. Hey, by the way, a stock to watch is Regeneron, but priced last night uh, at a much lower price than where it is. This is the big Sanofi piece. Uh, Sanofi, I'm sorry. And people are already up very, very big on it. So watch that stock. If you want to find out the tenor of the market, uh, Regeneron, this was a $515 price tag on 11.83 million shares. Look at that thing go. Wow. Yeah. Uh, guys, we'll watch that. There's the opening bell. I'm just looking up to see uh, who rang uh, this morning. Uh, give me a second here, guys. I do want to mention, Jim, really quickly, J.P. Morgan, uh, uh, Warner Media, Warner Media, exciting, and HBO Max. Of course, John Stanky earlier on Squawk this morning talking about that launch uh, and uh, the 
the sort of business strategy, uh, David, in all the myriad numbers of HBOs and uh, Maxes and, and so forth, but that's going to be a big one, and it's been a long time coming. Uh, yes, we've been waiting for it for quite some time. Of course, I can remember when I sat down with Mr. Stanky, who is going to be taking over as AT&T CEO uh, in a short amount of time. Uh, when we spoke last fall, when they launched it, so to speak, in the sense of uh, unveiling it, I should say. But today is the launch. The price point is something that has um, uh, has had people wondering about the uptake, given where it is priced. Uh, there's also so many different things involved with it in terms of, well, you know, uh, are you going to no longer take it from your cable distributor? And are you going to have a direct relationship, direct relationship with AT&T by signing up for the app on your TV or through any number of other ways that you access it? Um, and so that will be interesting and in how they go about marketing it and the separation perhaps that they're creating between themselves and the cable distributors to some extent. Uh, and then there are still other questions, obviously, about AT&T's business, DirecTV, which continues to lose subscribers and what the future of that will be. Um, not to mention Warner Media itself, of course, a business we know fairly well. Ratings may be up, but advertising is pressured in some areas. Um, and film production, well, there isn't any. And so I don't know, 2021 may be a very interesting year. You may get a huge slate of films. I don't know how many of them will go direct to HBO Max from the Warner Library, or I should say from the Warner production side, or will still go to movie theaters if, Jim, people are still actually going to movie theaters. Well, I'll tell you, again, this is the uh, two, the, the blue state versus red, st- red state. I mean, the, we know states where people think that maybe it was a hoax. It was just a giant hoax that it was just a white flu, happy to sit next to anybody. And then we have people in hazmat suits. Uh, and uh, I think that the hazmat suit crowd is overdone, and the I'll sit next to anybody is, is overdone. But I think people will go out, uh, except for the thing to watch is the Best Buy, the 60- to 70-inch big screen. That is a killer for a lot of the movie theaters. That's just fun. Home. Dominoes. Right. Uh, it is. It is potentially. Uh, you know, uh, on Stanky verse of HBO Max versus Netflix, of course, he'd been quoted, he said uh, incorrectly in terms of saying they were trying to kill Netflix. What he really is looking for is to differentiate the HBO Max product uh, by library and obviously by just the content itself. Take a listen to what he said to the Squawk Box crew earlier. Our goal, frankly, is not to be Netflix. Our goal is to be something different. And there are other streaming services that are starting to show up in the market that clearly hit different needs for the customer. HBO Max is going to have a unique focus and a unique position with the customer, and we're going to play our game. Our goal isn't to crush Netflix. Our goal is to make sure that we meet customer needs, that we engage them every day that the household finds something worthwhile to spend time with us. And that's what we're going to stay focused on. Of course, HBO itself has been a very successful product. But, Jim, there are still continued questions as to whether they can expand the audience beyond what has typically been the HBO audience so far. Yeah, I mean, I remember Jeff Bukas, who, by the way, is a great American. David often spoke about uh, how this was such a valuable property uh, and that it was lost within. And now it does tell a good tale, but it's, it, does it offset, David, 
what's going wrong away from it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, That remains to be seen. You know, pre-COVID, this is and post, this is still a very important effort for them. Extremely important uh, in terms of at least setting them up for the direct to consumer future and putting Warner Media in a good place. Um, after, of course, they struggled uh, to close that deal to acquire the company, sat there for a year longer than they anticipated when the world sort of kept moving on. Right. And, you know, AT&T, don't forget, of course, has an important wireless business. And it was interesting listening to Stanky talk about sort of the broader trends they're seeing amongst consumers right now. They also have a, a good feel into the small and medium sized businesses as well, Jim. But Yes, Warner is still a very important portion of that company at this point, and HBO Max will be a very important effort for them. So one that certainly investors will be watching closely. But don't judge on today. Today is another day, at least in the morning, where they hate to stay at homes. Anything stay at home is just awful. Anything travel is uh, wildly overbought uh, today. Uh, just watch American Express. It's been down, 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 down. And people have uh, hated it. Suddenly they like it because people are traveling. Uh, City, a tremendous credit card company, and people felt credit cards, they're no go. Now people love them. And Wells Fargo, which at 23 looked incredibly dire, is now the darling. So uh, we don't want stay at home for the morning. Maybe we want it in the afternoon. But this is just... The market's a little too much. You, you, you just don't go to these extremes each day. Uh, and, and I'd rather just people calm. This is what I meant. Calm down a little. Don't, but a lot of this might just be ETFs. Like, give me, give me an ETF for finance. I'll take them all up. Uh, and I think that these are short-sighted because there's a lot of companies just aren't doing that well. And uh, numbers have to come down. And when numbers come down, stocks go down. Hmm. Uh, J.P. Morgan, uh, first trip above 100 uh, since April 14th, Jim. Of course, we really didn't comment uh, yet on Diamond's uh, presentation yesterday at the Deutsche Conference. Uh, but uh, forecasts for loss provisions, maybe we could be done uh, by Q3. And, of course, the ongoing conversation about how he thinks at least the industry should uh, maintain its dividends, even as they pulled back on some buybacks. Yeah, that was very encouraging. But that, that's who he is. And I think it's it's uh, he was, I think, under obviously he was sick uh, when they reported. But this was the classic J.P. Morgan. Like, I don't know what people are doing with my stock. I wonder whether we're going to see that he bought some stock. Uh, The dividends fine and business is really good. It was a V recession call. And I don't think that, and David, you know this, I mean, he's never going to be the guy who says, look, it's going to be a long, torn-out recession. But his take was, uh, it's over uh, for the most part. And now we're getting back to work. And again, I think it may be over for, for some of these banks. But when you look at it, if it's the case, the regional banks are so incredibly cheap. And I just don't know whether it's the case. I know there's been a lot of underwritings. That's been good business. But Jamie was his old self yesterday. And it was electric. And I felt terrific when I listened. And I said, you know what? We got to get more bullish. But this bullish? I don't know. Yeah, well, I know. It's interesting to hear you talk about back to work and Jamie Dimon, because I have heard he's very, very focused on the plan at J.P. Morgan for getting their employees back and how they're going to go about doing that, which is sort of a part of what we're all talking about here. Uh, You know, how do you get people back in buildings, tall buildings with elevators How do you do that 
in any real way. I know that sounds funny, but it's a real problem that a lot of businesses, when we talk about going back to work, are trying to deal with Look, uh, in it, terms of time and shifts so that, so that everybody's not sitting waiting for an elevator that they can take with, you know, given the amount of space. Sure. Nikesh Arora, the CEO of a company that had a really good quarter last week, Palo Alto, said, hey, we got to give people a choice. Uh, if people don't want to come in, they have a choice. Uh, uh, you know, and it's those elevator buttons. It's the cafeteria, men's room. Yeah. Barclays is tracking headquarters staffing for S&P 500 companies, guys. And if you baseline it to March 1, we're still running about uh, 90 points to the downside. We were down 95 in April. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting chart to watch over time. Let's get to Rick Santelli here and uh, check in on uh, fixed income on this uh, Wednesday morning. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. You know, fixed income markets are going to get exciting. And I'm not talking about so much the U.S. markets. I'm facing overseas. The European Union is going to be announcing a 750 billion euro, 825 billion dollar stimulus package. Shared debt they're going to issue in the public markets. This is historic. Look what it's done to the boons, the best quality versus the Italian bonds, far from the best quality. That spread is narrowed from 250 plus to under 190. The closer it gets, they're selling the good credit and buying the sloppier credit because it's going to get bailed out, basically. Look at their currency, the euro versus the dollar. The euro is at a two-month high. And finally, let's look at the dollar index. Closed yesterday at one-and-a-half-month low. Shared debt is going to be great for the southern economies of Europe, and it's going to be very bullish for the euro currency. We have to stay tuned. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. Okay. Thank you, Rick, with the bond report. I will take it. All right, let's, uh, let's get an interview now. Of course, a lot of semiconductors have, uh, companies have felt pressure from uh, the coronavirus on their ability to produce and, of course, uh, in their end markets. Uh, NXP Semi. How are they doing? Well, let's check in with the company on its first day for its new CEO. It's not as though he's unfamiliar with the company, though. Of course, he has been president. Kurt Sievers joins us now. Kurt, nice to have you this morning. Uh, and congrats on, on taking the mantle of CEO uh, this morning as well. Um, let's start with auto, if we can, because it's such an important uh, end market for uh, your products. I know you were asked a great deal about it on your conference call roughly uh, a month ago when you guys reported earnings. But what are you seeing in the automotive markets right now, specifically to China, which has been open a bit longer and demand seems to be coming back and both here in the U.S. and Europe? Yeah, first of all, good morning uh, and thanks, David. Uh, it's actually a pleasure for me to be to be on right here and now, because as you just said, I mean, I'm literally rushing out of our annual a general shareholders meeting where I got a fantastic vote of confidence for indeed being the CEO now for 45 minutes uh, for NXP. A great moment <laughs> after being for 25 years with the company and being 11 years a uh, member of the executive management team. So indeed, uh, that's a great moment. Uh, a pity we have to do it in this virtual way, but still, I'm, I'm really glad for having the opportunity today. Um, speaking about auto, yes, um, this is about 50% of, um, of NXP's revenue. So a, a very, very important piece. And also from a, from a future perspective, an absolute growth area for us. If you think about radar, safer driving or battery management in electric vehicles. Now, on a short term basis, as you rightfully said, clearly the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has had significant impact at the end of quarter one and then going into quarter two from a factory shutdown perspective of the auto OEMs. 
but yes, it is phased. Um, so the good news is that we see China coming back uh, in the second quarter. Uh, so in April already, but now also in May with the first uh, car sales numbers, which we are seeing from China, it looks like that China shows car sales, which is for the first time for many quarters, uh, up year on year. Uh, and that is obviously in contrast to the US and Europe, where uh, the factory shutdowns really started only in April. Um, and um, while Europe has restarted car production I'd say in the first half of March, uh, in the first half of May, excuse me, uh, the U.S. just have restarted in the last in the last week or so. Um, it's always hard to say what the right numbers are, but I, I just saw IHS um, was telling us that they expect that at the end of quarter two, the car production in Europe and the U.S. should be like 65% of the pre-COVID uh, period. So that is still sharply down. But again, China in contrast is coming up. Uh, and the great news is that China is the largest geography globally when it comes to car production. And also for us, we have a significant exposure on China. So that's very helpful. You know, when you mentioned China, of course, Kurt, it also uh, is figuring into a lot of investor concerns in terms of trade between our country and China. Do you share any of those concerns uh, in terms of perhaps the U.S. government saying that your production to some extent is not able to be going to China. I don't know how much of it is produced in the country, but give me some sense there as to whether this is a concern at all for you. Well, I mean, we've been living in this um, in this more trade tensioned world now for for quite a while. Uh, we always comply to all the export control regulations uh, uh, from the U.S., um, but even the latest ones, which came out just a couple of days ago, it looks like uh, we don't really see a material impact from that. So, so far, we are faring well. But honestly, this is a very dynamic world. And I mean, I, I don't know what's going to be next. So we are watching this very closely, always to make sure that we can be compliant with the, uh, with the rules. Rick Clemmer, old friend, uh, did a great job, always worth pointing out. One of the things he did so right was in 2015, he bought Freescale, which meant it so that he was no longer as hostage. So all many, all the other companies that were just about basically Apple. Uh, now I look at it, you don't have that much mobile. I remember Qualcomm, of course, trying to buy NXPI. Do you need to make an acquisition to bring out, to do more in communications or do more in mobile uh, rather than just wait for automobile to come back? Because automobile may not come back the same way as we thought before the pandemic. Hey, Jim, that's a great point. I mean, I, I've, I've been personally very, very deeply involved, obviously, in the, in the deal and the merge with Freescale. And I, I would tell you, we are now just reaping, uh, reaping the benefits from that because putting Freescale and NXP together was all up about having a powerhouse when it comes to solutions. Uh, by now, we are the leader in secure edge processing. We are the leader in automotive. And that is a result of that combination between, um, between NXP and Freescale. Now, mentioning Qualcomm, uh, I mean, I've, I've been also living, and I would say to an extent, suffering through that, uh, through that episode in our history. Uh, what we found after exiting this deal was clearly the one thing we were missing was connectivity. Uh, we have this absolute vision of the world to, to be all about secure edge processing and connected secure edge processing. So we were missing the connectivity piece. Uh, but we fixed that. Um, just at the end of last year, we, we completed the deal of acquiring 
the connectivity assets of Marvell. So no, uh, my answer to your question is from a portfolio perspective, we are wonderfully complete at this point. I mean, there is always more tuck-in acquisitions, small tech, tech investments, which we will do consistently. But from a bigger perspective, we have what we need. Now it's all about execution. And yes, um, I'd say on automotive, um, clearly the, uh, there is an impact now with COVID-19. It might take a while it comes back. But remember, the growth in automotive for us comes from the content gains. It isn't that much about the absolute number of cars, but it's actually about the growth and the innovation of electronic content in the car. Think about radar systems where we are the number one and all the cruise control systems, uh, the blind spot detections, the automatic emergency brake, all these systems need radar. And this is where we are leading. Electric vehicles. Uh, now in the COVID-19 period, actually what I'm seeing is that a lot of the government stimulus programs, which, which are coming up actually just this morning, I saw that France and Europe has launched a large program. They are all aimed especially at electric vehicles. So I do believe that through this right. uh, period now, there will be more electric vehicles and we are benefiting from it. And again, all of that was a, a result of the combination from Freescale and NXP and now augmented by the connectivity assets from, uh, from Marvell very recently. Kurt, as we wrap up here, I want to uh, ask about your view of gross margins. I think on, on the conference call a month ago, your CFO indicated they would be under pressure for at least a couple of quarters. But how do you view them over time in terms of normalizing? And frankly, is there an opportunity here to gain efficiencies that will actually allow gross margins to grow when we are on the other side of this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, we, we kept saying that when we run like 2.4 billion revenue per quarter, we hit the 55% mark and uh, that's absolutely in place. So once we are back to the 2.4 billion, uh, we are at the 55 and it doesn't stop there. So we want to grow beyond 55, but then it's really about the product portfolio. It's about the NPIs, the new products coming out, which are higher value where we can get better value uh, from our customers. And that over time, will lead us from 55 in the direction to 57%. Uh, Kurt, certainly appreciate your joining us. 45 minutes, I guess, according to you, after having taken official control as, uh, as CEO. Nice to have you. Look forward to having you back in the future as well. Kurt Sievers, the CEO of NXP. Thank you very much, David and Jim. Thank you. Guys, we'll take a break here. Markets hanging in there. Financials definitely leading the way up 3.5%. Uh, the top performing sector, followed by industrials up almost 3% as well. Off the initial highs, but we're back in a minute. It's going to have uh, an option to have uh, rocket thrusters. Rocket thrusters? Yes, from SpaceX. All right. Yeah. How, uh, how does that work? See, I don't know when you're kidding and when you're not. Now. No, in this I'm, case, I'm serious. You're going to have rocket thrusters. Um, yes. And what will provide the thrust? There's no fuel in the car. No, we're going to use ultra-high pressure compressed air. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's called gas thruster. Okay. Um, All right. The main thruster will be like uh, behind the license plate. Right. So uh, for acceleration, it drops the license plate, and just and, and that behind the license plate is a rocket thruster. That's like full-on James Bond. That's Elon Musk talking to Jay Leno about the Tesla Roadster with rocket thrusters. You can see more on Jay Leno's garage tonight at 10 Eastern time right here on CNBC. The rockets that we're going to be paying attention to today, though, Jim, are uh, the ones uh, that uh, will take these two astronauts 
to the International Space Station. And as you said earlier, first manned mission off of U.S. soil in nearly nine years. It will be terrific. Uh, it's interesting. That's not like a James Bond car that Elon's talking about. But Phil LeBeau, who is the best, he's unbelievable. He Remember when you asked me well, how all the electronic vehicles will be doing with gasoline down? He, he's got a st- uh, study. He's going to be on our website. Uh, Karen E.R., a, a, a consultant, says that next year they're poised to explode. Europe, major incentives, China not slowing down, surge in certain models. So, uh E-Line is still the leader, but it looks like the EVs without, even with gasoline low, incredible. I don't know if they're going to have rockets. It's not, an, it's not also an Aston Martin. Remember, he first drank Smurf. Yeah. That was questionable. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Good one, Jim. Uh, Tesla's hanging on to 806. Quick break here. We'll come back in just a moment. Don't go away. Rally gets extended into a Wednesday with breadth pretty good here, just south of 3K, actually right at 3K. A lot of stay-at-home names, though, are in the red. Netflix, Amazon, Electronic Arts, uh, Hormel, and others. We're back in just a moment. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Yeah, Carl, Dr. Fauci on the tape saying some things about how uh, could have the vaccine December, November. No longer inevitable, the second wave of COVID. If that's the case, you probably want to think about retail. Ralph Lauren reported a very good number today. Uh, it looks like I think that stock could be bottoming. Why? Because the brand turned out to be a little more iconic. Uh, it's got lots of stores that are not in the mall. It, it's got some real good management, and the numbers were pretty good when you went into the inside of it. So that may be one if you're thinking, well, you know what, maybe Fauci's right, maybe things are better. This stock is well off its highs. Ralph Lauren may be interesting buy. Yeah, a lot of factory outlets that are outdoor too, Jim. Exactly. Uh, that's what about tonight? That's what people want, outdoor, not a lot in the mall. Okay, so I have uh, Workday and breaking their earnings. Um, HP breaking their earnings uh, after the Xerox, uh, let's say, that fiasco on their part. And then Air Lease. I know uh, Phil interviewed uh, one of the, the CEO. I've got the chairman. This also, we're going to probably talk about the notion of what Calhoun was talking about, which is one of, the, one of his supplier, one of his best customers is going to die. Uh, Calhoun is uh, looking like uh, 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 mm, He's maybe he's almost <laughs> he ought to just, you know, speak soft. No, not speak at all and carry a big plane. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 